0: What makes the body grow? That's not just the title of the message today, but it's also, I think, a legitimate question to ask. Uh, What makes the body grow? Um, If you think about our physical bodies, think about some of the things that help make the physical body grow. Uh, We need food, right? Proper nutrition? Well, even improper nutrition (laughs) can... We'll still grow our bodies and and sometimes grow them in ways that we don't want them to grow. I mean, that's the reality. Um, Food, so carbohydrates, proteins, um, fats, and then we can get even more probably specific on the kinds of vitamins and minerals and things like that that go into helping the body grow. But just in general, we got food, got water. You need water. Um, You have to drink water. If you don't drink water, Your body will dehydrate, and within about three days or so, give or take, um, that's it. Life is over, and you will stop growing, right? Um, You also need rest. You cannot go long without rest. You have to get sleep, that helps regenerate your body. And you need exercise. Gotta keep moving, right? The body needs food, water, it needs rest, it needs exercise. Those are kind of essentials for helping a body grow. And if those things are removed, if one or more of those things are removed, the body will stop growing. Something will go wrong. W- would you agree? Yes, okay, see some knots. I'm not a scientist, I'm a pastor, so I don't have any professional expertise in the area of Physiology, although I did take a human physiology class about 20-some years ago uh, in college, and it was probably one of the most fascinating courses I ever took um, in college. But those are just some basics about the human body and what makes the human body grow. But I want us to think about the spiritual body. And so each of us individually as spiritual beings. But also, think about the body collectively. In the New Testament, the the body is mentioned many, many times. Sometimes it's individual people. Sometimes it's individual physical bodies. But so often, when we talk about the body in the New Testament, we're talking about what we would think of as the church, or a community, the people together forming a body all with different parts, all with different um, maybe skin tones, different heights, different ages, different backgrounds. But we all make up one body. I want us to think about what makes the body of Christ grow, what makes his church grow, and we as individuals within it. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. Let's look at a passage together. It's right in the middle of this wonderful book in the New Testament called Ephesians, a letter that Paul wrote to this church in this city called Ephesus, which is today uh, in what we uh, look at as modern Turkey, this little city where a church was growing and developing. He wrote this letter to them, and right in the middle of this letter in chapter 4, he talks to them about what makes the body grow? So let's look at that together. Ephesians chapter 4. I don't have a page number for you, but pull it up on your devices or open up your Bibles, find that. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read from verses 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Follow along with me then as I read aloud. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray together. Father, once again we come before you in prayer. We know that we have nothing apart from you. We know nothing apart from you. God, all of our, uh, uh, all of our knowledge, uh, all of our striving and work, all of our success or failure, these things mean nothing if, if it's not from you and if it's not to you. So now we look to you. We look to your word for understanding, for insight, for what we need to walk out of here today living a life that is honoring to you, living a life of worship, living a life that you have called us and equipped us and made us to live. We ask that in the name of Jesus today. Amen. What makes the body grow? So that is the question. I want to show you from this passage, uh, a passage that probably is full of probably a dozen sermons or so, but from this passage I want to just point out three things. I want three things that answer that question, what makes the body grow? Number 1, leaders Who equip. What makes the body grow? Leaders who equip. Look at the first couple of verses. Uh, Once again, I'll, I'll read these to you. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip. To equip who? The saints. The saints are believers, or disciples, or followers of Jesus. Um, it, it, not some, some special category of Christians, not some super-Christians. The saints was the New Testament term for all of us who are believers. The saints, holy ones that God purchased with his blood, that God saved. So, the leaders equip the saints. So who makes the body grow? Leaders who equip the saints. And notice that in verse 11, there are different kinds of leaders. And these are all kind of New Testament terms and many of them we don't use today. And there's even disagreement on if these same kind of leaders exist in the church today or maybe in a different way. And my intention is not to get into that debate because we can, we can get together over coffee or we have lunch together or dinner together. and We can talk about that and debate that. But just think in terms of the diversity of, of leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. There are, very, there are many different kinds of leaders in the church with different gifts, different abilities that God has given to the church. So you may have, for instance, just let's think in terms of our local church here. We have a lead pastor. That happens to be me. We have two elders. They're very different than me. Very different. In, in a lot of good ways. Praise the Lord, they're different than me. But we have elders. We also have deacons in the church. We have, we have women who are, pour themselves out to teach the young people, the little ones, right? We have, we have leaders who come and uh, haul trailers and set up chairs week after week and put the sound equipment. We have people doing all kinds of various things, right? Right? Now, I think Paul was thinking in terms more, in terms of the people who are visible leaders, like elders and deacons and folks like that, but that the leadership filters down to every level within the church, that every believer is a leader in some way, shape, or form. And notice that these are are not just, um, he's not just pointing these out to say, look at all of the great people who are leading the church just think of your pastor and, and think about how wonderful he is and how hard he works and how underpaid he is and how etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. no he's not thinking about that and he's not focusing on who is the subject of the sentence who's the subject who's the focus who's the actor in verse 11 he gave who god god himself God gave these leaders to the church. God appointed them so that it's not in the the leaders and how great they are, how equipped they are, how, how diverse their gifts are. That's a blessing and that's part of it. But the focus there is on the greatness of God who gave these leaders to the church. God appointed them. God has put them in place to do what? Verse 12 tells us to equip. Leaders who equip. They equip believers. They equip the saints. And this is an interesting word. Think about equip. Equipment, right? That's the first thing I think of. When I think of equip, I think equipment. Do you have all of the tools that you need to do the job? So are you equipped? Um, in, in, In my previous line of work, um, I would think being in the Army, I, I thought about multiple things of equipment that I needed. I needed. I needed my weapon. I needed body armor and a helmet. I needed the protective uh, equipment. I needed, um, the boots and the uniform, that equipment. Um, I also needed ammunition for the weapon, that kind of equipment. But I also needed the equipment for my, my main job. And so I would have a piano almost exactly like this. And I would have that in a case almost exactly like kind of a case we have. And I would have an amplifier almost exactly like that one there. And it would have a case as well. And I would have all of this equipment that I would take with me because in my other my job for ten years in the Army was to be a soldier musician playing music for, for troops, playing music for the public, doing parades and doing all kinds of things to support the morale and boost the morale and help people focus on their patriotism and why we fight and all of those things. That was my equipment, right? That's, what, that's normally what I think of when I think of equipment, and I think that's part of it. Do we have uh, our leaders giving the tools and the skills and the, and the necessary resources to believers for what they're supposed to do and who they're supposed to be. But then I, I, I got in deep with this passage this week and I noticed that and I discovered that the word for equip is, is more a word uh, uh, like prepare, but in the sense of it was a word that was actually used for the setting of a bone. Imagine your child comes into the to the doctors, I have a broken arm. You take your child to the doctor and they, they set that arm and they prepare it, they equip it to heal. They equip it to be stronger. They equip it to grow the way it's supposed to grow. That's actually the concept that Paul is using here. He's saying leaders are here to set right what needs to be set right. That may mean, some implications of that may mean, there's some things that aren't quite right. There's some things that need to get fixed. And so as, as leaders in the church, we address some of those things and say, hey, this isn't right, we need to set it right. We need to equip it so that it grows properly. That's certainly part of the concept. And you can see that, we'll see that in a few minutes as we look to uh, uh, another answer for what makes the body grow. But think about what, what pastors and leaders in the church do. Think about it in terms of how we apply this this verse. We preach, and we teach, and we do all of the prep work so that we can bring the word on a weekly, regular basis to the church. So that you will hear God's Word and what it means and how to, how to live it out. And how to apply it in your day-to-day life. So we do that. We write materials. We, 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 we research and find a verse of the week that will be helpful to you to memorize and meditate on and think about throughout the week so that you're, you have God's Word on a regular basis. We devise reading plans so you can have a steady diet of being in the Word day after day after day. We encourage and we we motivate. We try, try to get you to do those things, and then we also create systems within the church. The, our worship time—it's it's a it's a it's a system that we develop that we have that weekly gathering together. We've also established missional communities where our church. Can get together in those smaller groups in homes and, and fellowship together and learn to love one another. We've also encouraged and developed uh, the, this discipleship group concept where we have small groups of men meeting together, small groups of women meeting together, pray together, read the Bible together. They find uh, those aren't scheduled on the calendar by us. Those are encouraged and motivated and resourced so that you guys can get together when you need to get together uh, at the time that works for you and for your schedules. We, We do all of those things to equip, to set right, to encourage, to minister to you so that you as believers can do what you are called to do. Well, and that leads to the next point. So what makes the body grow? First of all, it's leaders who equip. But secondly, it's believers who love. So that would be a good one to write down. Not only leaders who equip, but believers who love. So the next few verses talk about who is being equipped. We we see that it's the saints. The saints who are being equipped for what? The work of ministry. What? What? Everyday ordinary believers are to to do the work of ministry? That's what Paul says. Paul says ordinary believers, everyday saints, do the work of ministry. Another way of translating the word ministry is service. They serve, they love, they work for other people. And they love in terms of how they do that service and how they build people up. They too have been given gifts. And Paul makes that clear in other places, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that every believer has been given gifts. Every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, has special abilities and talents and and Holy Spirit manifestations in their lives to encourage, to exhort, to to teach, to show mercy, to uh, do acts of service. Various other gifts everybody, every believer has been equipped with to do that work. And, and it's God's design for us as believers, each of us as believers, to be part of building up the body of Christ. That idea of building up is, uh, in other places, it re- literally refers to a building itself. So a building, think about what it takes to build a building. Well, we as a church... We are praying to occupy a building and do some rebuilding or some renovating and to do some strengthening of an existing building, but God may also lead us to a a flat piece of, maybe not even flat, but a piece of land that's going to have to be prepared and built on. And what is it going to take? It's going to take a lot of people working together, hopefully not me because I'm not a construction worker. You don't want me building a building, but it's going to take some people with the necessary skills to build brick upon brick, uh, 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 wood upon wood. I, don't, you, you, you get the idea. That's what. See, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a contractor. So, but you see the idea. It's the building up of the body, and I think what Paul's trying to get at is. That's exactly the the concept, the metaphor that he has for the body of Christ. We build on the body of Christ, brick by grip, brick by brick, uh, believer by believer, right? Um, Faith by faith. We grow in one way and we grow in another way. And we're all serving one another. We are building up the body of Christ in terms of, it's not just me who's building up the body. David Morgan is building up the body. Richard Berry is building up the body in the way that you all and all of you are have been gifted. You all are doing the work of building up the body, the work of ministry and service to one another. And what is the goal? Look at the goal. Verse 13, he talks about the goal of this Uh, of of this uh, building up. He wants us to all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's a pretty hefty goal. He wants us to be unified, unified in our faith. What What would that look like? That means we're all believing towards the same goals. We all have, yes, we all have a diversity of opinions. We might all have a diversity of ideas and thoughts in our minds. But we've come together, we are united in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God, of Christ, of Jesus. Those things that unite us, we major on those things. We don't let our differences drive a wedge between us. We don't say, well, because I like this style of music, I don't want to fellowship with you. I don't want to be part of the body. We don't say, because I prefer this kind of preaching, I'm not going to be in fellowship with this, with this body. Oh, because we have, our ceiling level is so high and it's not higher, or the, the, the speakers are set up in this, or the lighting is like this, or, you know, on and on and on we can go, we can talk about all of these external things. But he's saying the faith, unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We want to agree on who God is. We want to agree on who Jesus is. We want to agree on salvation. We want to agree on some very important things that for what it means to be a church together. So we want to be in unity. And he talks about mature manhood. That means maturation, growth. Not, childlike, not childlikeness, but... Mm-hmm growing into all that God has designed us to be. When we, when we have children, um, when, when Cheryl and I first had Olivia, we were, we were freaking out, going, whoa, whoa, this is this tiny little helpless baby, and we need to help it. We need to help, it, right? we need to help this, this little girl grow. And so we began to think about what it was like to, to uh, what do we need to do to, to raise a six-month-old raise a toddler, to raise a preschooler. And and suddenly it began to dawn on me that we're not raising infants. We're not raising toddlers or preschoolers. We're not raising elementary school kids. We're not raising middle schoolers or high schoolers. We're raising adults. The goal is for my daughters to grow up and move out of the house. <laughs> Our goal is for them to become adults. That's what we're raising. We're raising women. That's what I'm doing. And I'm not, very qual- I'm not qualified for it. But that's what I've been called to do. So God's equipping me along the way. Right He's helping me, and I'm learning lessons. But that's what we're doing. What, we're, what we have to think about in terms of who we are as a church is that God has a plan and a purpose for us individually to grow up into maturity, mature men and women of faith, mature believers, mature disciples, mature followers of, of Christ, and a mature church. That's what we want. That's not, and that's not just what we want, that's what God expects. So, the goal is maturity. To the, and, he's, and he defines this more closely. Not just, the, not just maturity uh, in, in general terms, but specifically to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Whoa. So, and I'm not just, Cheryl and I are not just raising women. We're raising women who reflect the character of Jesus. And that's what we're doing in the church too. That's what we are as believers. That's what we are to be striving towards. Our goal is to look out among ourselves and look across the way and fellowship across the table and gather around in coffee shops or wherever we are and to see the reflection of Jesus in one another. And when we don't see that, we want to lovingly, graciously, truthfully challenge that so that we can grow into Christ. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's maturity. To look and sound and smell, (laughs) maybe in a metaphorical way, like Jesus to others. But there's a warning. That's not just the goal, but there's a warning. Paul warns that... Verse 14, he says, so that you may no longer be children. He's talking to the Ephesians. He's told them a lot of heavy stuff. I don't know how recently you've read the letter to the Ephesians, but just read through the first chapter, and and you will just get bombarded with heavy, heavy stuff. Theology. Deep things about God. Deep things about Jesus. Deep things about his church. And... And that stuff is so heavy. And he's, t- he's been preaching that and teaching that to the Ephesians. And I think he expects that they understand what he's talking about. Otherwise, he wouldn't say it like that. But then he comes around to verse 14 here in this fourth chapter. And he says, so that you may no longer be children. He's telling them there is immaturity in you still. And you need to move beyond that. You need to grow in these specific areas. He says that he doesn't want them to be tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So he's, i got a couple of metaphors that he's using. One is he doesn't want you to be childlike. He doesn't want you want believers to be immature like babes in our spiritual lives. But at the same time, he uses this metaphor of a sea. He imagines a little little vessel, a little boat, maybe a rowboat or something like that, out on the sea, and it it has no rudder. It has no oars. It just has somebody who's totally ill-equipped for the situation. And the waves come, and they go back and forth, and the storm comes up, and what happens? They just get tossed around. He doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be equipped. God is saying, I want you to grow and mature and so that you look more like Jesus. I don't want you to be immature children. Warning, don't be like that. Don't be tossed to and fro. Don't believe everything you hear. Be mature. Okay, this is, a, this is important. Because he says that the waves that are carry, carrying and tossing people about and the winds are false doctrines. They are human uh, thinking. They're they're worldly-minded concepts. They're crafty and deceitful. They're things that are are distorting the truth. They're things that are trying to deceive us, because that's what the world does. It tries to deceive us and keep us from knowing God. It keeps, keeps us from the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It keeps us from maturing. And he doesn't want that for us. We may be strong in many ways. And I I look at our, our church, as small as it is, I see half of our church here. The other half is on vacation or sick with children right now. But I see our church, and I go, we've got a lot of strong things going for us. A lot of wonderful things i i'm I'm so pleased, and I, the church is precious to me in so many ways, but there are also things we need to work on, right? There are things that we need to to develop in and grow in i was um I was counseling a couple recently, and uh, one uh, one of the things I wanted to do is just kind of get an, a, an idea of where they're at and i so we spent some time talking about talking with them about. What are the areas of your relationship do you think you're really strong in? And what are the areas in your relationship that you want to grow in? And they, they listed several things that they felt they were, they were strong in, and they, they really agreed a lot on this and on this and this. And then the others, they had some disagreement on the things that they needed to grow in. And well, one of them said, I, I want to grow in this. Another said, I want to grow in that. And we took all of those things, and at the end of the day, I said, Look, I want you to be encouraged by what you have in common, by the strengths that you have in your relationship. And I want you to celebrate those things. And then I want you to look at those other things, not as weaknesses, not as the things, the areas in which you're failing, but the areas in which you can grow in. The areas in which you still need to mature. And speak truth in those areas. Grow in those areas. Be united in your faith in those areas. Increase your knowledge in those areas, and you will mature. And he talks about that process in the very next verse. There's a there's the goal, which is maturity, there's a warning against immaturity, and then there's a process, which is, and here's your equation: truth pu- plus love equals growth. Some of you are math whizzes, and that's about as deep as I get in terms of math, um, so just roll with me, take it, and you could add your, you could add some other things to it, but basic basic concept there, Paul is saying, truth plus love equals growth. He says in verse fifteen, rather, so instead of instead of being tossed about like children or being children tossed about on the waves and all this stuff. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So, rather than being children, he wants us to grow up. Rather than immaturity, he wants us to mature, to grow. And the way he does that, and the way he says to do it, is truth plus love. Speaking the truth in love. Literally, the word, it's one word, and it would be a very awkward and strange, and it doesn't work in English, but it'd be like this. Rather, truthing in love. It's just, it's just that word for truth. He just kind of takes the word truth, and he turns it into a verb, and he verbalizes it, and it becomes truthing in love. So that would be what we speak, how we live our lives, live a true life. But, but the emphasis there is what comes out of our mouths. It's true words. It's honest speaking. And it's love. (laughs) How many of you have had somebody come to you and say, hey, I want to shoot straight with you, and told you the way it was, and just laid laid it out there? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you the truth. Boom, here it is. And you were just like (laughs) floored, right? Right? And your, kind of heart, your heart kind of broke a little bit and your feelings were hurt. And you went away from that going, oh, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to recover from this. Or maybe if you're like me, you started getting defensive and you kind of fought back and you pushed back again, and said, well, it, here's some truth about you, Right? So how do we speak the truth in love? Because it's truth plus love. You could try all kinds of things. I love you. I'm going to tell you two things I really love about you and I really affirm about you. And then here's this one negative thing I want to fix. And then I'm going to follow it up with, you know, the, the encouraging and loving. That, that might work, yes. That could work. But love in the New Testament is never just about the things that we say or the feelings that we have. Well, I love you, I feel that way about you, so I'm just going to level you with brutal honesty. That's not what he's saying. Because love is about relationship in the New Testament. Love is about what we have together, what we share together. So how would we speak the truth in love? Well it means that we have to have a relationship with the people we speak to there's trust there some of you we've had some some uh some pretty uh straight up honest conversations with in the past with many of of you in the church and we've said some things and i've said i've said hey this xyz got a you know got to got to do this got to got to fix this hey i see this this is a problem how how can i help you how can i encourage you in it but we know each other we love each other i i i think i hope i pray that we trust each other and you trust me and so when we love each other and when we are in a relationship with one another and you know that you trust this person you're going to hear them and you're you in fact you might even invite that, that truth. When you go to the doctor, you expect him to tell you true things, right? <laughs> you go to the doctor, you say, Doctor, what's wrong with me? You don't want him to say, Well, you're such a nice person, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, so you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Uh, why, just drink, why don't you drink more water, and maybe get some rest, and... And probably that problem will just go away. No, you want the doctor, you trust him. You go to him and you say, I trust you. You are a physician. You know these things. Tell me what is wrong. And you want the doctor to say, it's cancer. You want the doctor to say, it's this disease. You want the doctor to say, there's a growth that needs to be removed. You want the doctor to tell you the truth. You trust him. You may not know Him that well. You may not have an intimate relationship with Him, but you trust. You trust Him to tell you the truth. And what we have, or what we want, and what God expects in His church is a relationship of love with one another, where we trust one another to tell us the truth. Why? So that we grow. And He says, to grow in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. I was thinking about that. If Christ is the head, and 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 the church is, is the body. Uh, the church is an infant. Um the body is gonna grow into the head. And for little like little babies, that's literally like right, they have these big old heads and they have these tiny little bodies, and they're out of proportion. And you can tell that they're an infant. Like you if you had a If you had a 12-month-old, an 18-month-old standing at a distance, a mile away, you wouldn't go, hey, look at that guy standing over there. No, you can tell by their proportion. The head and the body, you can tell. That's a a child. That's a tiny child. And so maybe it's kind of like that. I don't know if that's what Paul had in mind completely, but I imagine it's like we are growing into the head. The head is mature. The head is more, more mature than the body. Christ is infinitely mature and full and he is, he is our head and we are growing into Him. So what do we do? How, how can we do that? I want to give you some suggestions on how we can speak the truth in love, how we can grow like that, how we can be united in faith and knowledge. I want to challenge you to be intentional. Be intentional about growing. Look around you and go, who in the body of Christ can I grow with? Can I build a relationship with to grow? Be intentional. And then, beyond that, it's not just identifying, saying, hey, I'd really like to help that person grow, or I think that person can help me grow, or I think we can be good uh, discipleship partners, or uh, discipleship group, in this group of three or four men, or three or four women, but we have to then be close to one another, we have to spend time together, we have to get in proximity to one another, so we can listen and understand, and so then that we can truly be honest with one another, intentional. Close or proximity, be honest, and be focused on our goal Christ. Maturity. Christ, the gospel, God's word, growing in our knowledge of of Him through our Word, and the knowledge of ourselves and of our calling, and growing in obedience. And and honestly, I mean this to so make a little advertisement. We can apply this mo- most effectively if we get together in what our church has been talking about for three years or so in these discipleship groups. Groups of men who get together weekly, women who get, to week- get together weekly. We pray together, we study the Bible together, and we obey God's word together. And we encourage that. We hold each other accountable to that. It's simple. It's really simple. It's a simple plan. It's a simple um, system that all we have to do is walk in it. Gather together like that. Prayer, Bible, obedience. What makes the body grow? Leaders who equip. Believers who love. And briefly, at the end, Christ. Christ who holds together. Christ who holds together. In that last verse, he talks about, uh, well, in verse 15, he says we are growing into him who is the head, into Christ. And in verse 16, from whom, from whom, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Christ makes the body grow. So he is the one who holds it all together. That's how we grow. He makes the body grow. Just like, uh, just like our physical bodies need food, water, uh, uh, rest, uh, exercise, etc. Well, all of those things are true. And you can, you can think of those things as leaders in the church, as other believers who are helping you, right? Right? All of those things are true, but who put the who put the body together who made who gave it intention? who breathed life into the body? who made it so that it does what it does? There is a mystery behind human physiology, no matter how detailed we get in our understanding of chemistry and physiology, something is behind it. God made our physical bodies, and God makes our spiritual bodies, and God made His church the body. He gifted it, every part, made it diverse. And He is the one who makes it grow. He is the one who's making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See that? It builds itself up in love. But Jesus is working all the way through. We're not... We, 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 we don't uh, shirk the responsibility... But God is working, and we we need to understand that Christ is a part of it. First Corinthians chapter three, Paul says, "Hey, one guy planted seeds, another uh, another leader helped uh, or, or watered the seeds, but he says that God made the growth." In Mark chapter 4, Jesus uses the illustration of a farmer. He plants his field. He puts the seeds out there. He plants it. And he, he gets up every morning and he checks on it and he tends to it. And he goes to bed every night. And he doesn't know exactly how it grows. He's not a scientist. He just knows that when he plants the seed, it grows. And that's what the body is like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what the church is like. What's the implication there? There is a divine working behind it all. God is working. Christ is working. He is the one who holds the body together and helps it to grow. So what do we do? Let me challenge you to hold on to Christ. Make Christ the center of your relationships with one another. Hold on to Him as He holds us together. Consider how He loved us. John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down His life for His friend, and He says, You are my friends. And in the context of, that, of saying that very word, the, the very next day, the very next morning, He was dying on the cross for us, laying down His life for His friends. Not just his disciples, but you and me. That's how much he loves. That's the example of his love. And consider that love. And then consider that, prior to that, John 13, verses 34 and 35, he said to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Consider His love for us and the kind of love that we ought to have for one another. A love uh, uh, that, so that so that we are building up the church in love. Jesus makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God, Christ Himself, um, His love moving through us. That's the answer to the question, what makes the body grow? His love for us, moving through us to others as we help each other grow. Will you do that with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word. We love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. It's all to you.